Nerds Talk, talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3, Part 1. Before we do that, Buddy, I want to talk about what he's been doing on this podcast. We have made this so difficult for ourselves, like the way that we're talking about these, these MCU movies. Well, it's, 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 it's less difficult in that we only have to do three of these at a time instead of like an entire phase, right? That's like, true. Um, talking about six movies in 60 minutes would be uh, a tall order, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, mm. In that order, right? That's that's the the, the release order. Yeah, yeah I think yes. so. Um, you know, uh, took some time over a, a well-deserved Thanksgiving break to relax and uh, enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, uh, let's, I guess let's just start with uh, Civil War. Um, uh, spoilers for all these movies. Um, in a word, what's your what's your uh, what's your top line reaction to, to to Civil War? I really wanted to say bad. Is that too mean? I, I had a very hard time with Civil War. Civil War plummeted in my kind of estimation, which I, 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 I've I seen it afterwards. So I remember seeing Civil War, and I thought I, I liked it. And I was like, oh, like this is okay. This like works for me. Then I remember I saw it again, and I was like, I don't love this. And I like kept thinking about it, and the more I thought about it, the more I didn't like it. And when I watched it, I, I was expecting to sort of have this... Um, you know, like I, a lot of the times when I when I am in that headspace, I have this thing when I watch a movie like that, and I then see all the good stuff that I've forgotten about, right? So like yeah. I'm when I, when I remember the movie, I think about all the bad stuff, right? And then I actually sit down later and I'm watching through the thing. I'm like, oh yeah, like that's pretty good. Oh, this is pretty okay. Like, oh, I remember really liking that part. You know, like all this stuff I had forgotten about. For Civil War, it was almost kind of like all of the bad stuff that I remembered was worse than I remembered it. And then there was all this other stuff that I was just like, this is terrible. <laughs> so I just like really did not like it. <laughs> it was a very, very poor experience. All right, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited to to, to <laughs> jump into that because like I kind of I thought it was all right. The, the thing that stuck out to me the most about it, honestly, was that it really felt like Age of Ultron Part Two in terms of like mm-hmm. themes and like where it was going because it's, it's it's more about like the fallout of it's about the fallout of of, of uh, Sarkovia. But like we discussed yeah. last time, um, Sarkovia like Ultron itself was about kind of the fallout of being like the Avengers, right? Like it was like, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was focused on, uh, on saving people rather than on, you know, it's like, and in this one, they're going to focus on making sure the civilians don't get hurt. And then the next movie is like, guess what? It didn't happen. Even though it looked like they did, they didn't actually do that. Right. Like, the- the, yeah, this is one of my core problems with it is that it feels incredibly weird. I like, I wrote, wrote in my notes, like this state department lady has nothing like, Sokovia was an omnicidal threat. Everyone on the planet was going to fucking die. And you want to tell me that, like, a couple of boulders falling on a bit? Like, I, it's just ridiculous. Like, the calculus that is at play. And the movie agrees with that viewpoint. But it's just, like, it's so limp-wristed that I completely, I just, like, it makes me furious. I mean, so, I, I think that it doesn't aggravate me. So, like, the State Department thing, maybe, but, like, the part of this that's like, you know, like this mother is irrationally angry. 
that's not a thing that like, like that's the thing that speaks true to me, right? Like you know, even if yeah. it's justified, right? Like the the fact that it happened and it bothered this woman immensely makes sense, right? Like to me, especially for for I guess someone in this, like someone someone who's who's who doesn't want a place to, to trust the superheroes, right? Like like that feeling, even if it's not rational, makes sense to me. And Tony's reaction to it, I think, also makes some sense to me. But I, I, yeah. I, I, so what, I, yeah, I do agree with that. And I do want to be clear that I think, like, in a philosophical sense, it works, right? When it is Tony and Cap talking later in Berlin, right? And, like, Cap has done whatever, and Tony is trying to get him signed. That conversation is actually the very best part of Civil War. That is, like, Civil War at its peak, right? Because it is divorced from the actual sort of, like, material reality that they are both living in, right? The thing that sucks with um, General Ross, State Secretary Secretary Ross, right? He's the Secretary of State in this, um, is that he's like showing you like pictures or whatever from the Avengers movie, from uh, the Fallout of Winter Soldier or whatever, and it's kind of just like it just it rings insanely, insanely hollow, and it, it like it just bothers me to my absolute core. Which I, to be honest, I get it in a certain sort of sense, and I don't know that I like blame the filmmakers or whatever. Like this is bad, and I and I and I think it's bad, obviously. But I think it actually does come from a place uh, like outside of that, where it is like um, uh, it's not, it's not like irresponsibility from the filmmakers. I think it is irresponsibility almost from like the fans or like us as a you know like as a movie watching community, kind of like asked for this in a way that I think is pretty harmful and, and stupid. What, what, what do you mean by that? Kind of. Okay, so um, so Lindsay, uh, the best way I can explain this is with another movie. Lindsay Ellis has a video about the Beauty and the Beast remake, where she talks about how the thing that sucks about the Beauty and the Beast remake is that that movie goes out of its way to like correct a bunch of plot holes in the original movie, but like the act of like nitpicking. And correcting these little nitpicks in the original movie just destroys the original movie's kind of like magic, right? That you actually shouldn't really listen to the to the criticisms of pedantic fuck, fuck boys on the internet who are making CinemaSins type videos about oh, actually it's about Stockholm syndrome or whatever. You know what I mean? Because like at the end of the day, that makes the story worse. And I feel like it's the same sort of thing. I think focusing on civilian casualties in this way, and specifically in this way, by the way. You, I feel like you could have taken, uh, like, other, you know, like, there could be other ways to, to tackle this problem. Like the Civil War comic book, for instance, actually, um, that are that are much more, like, feasible. Tackling the civili- civilian casualties this way, I think, is something that came out of the fans, right? That, like, fans got angry at the amount of collateral damage that was happening in these superhero movies. And so this is sort of a response to that. But the response to that actually is no fun and not interesting and bad. Do you, do, you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that that's, like, why this happened. I think that Civil War was a very popular comic, right? And this was an easy way to, like, sideways into that, right? Like, this is a way to do well, this Well, so without... this is the thing. I, I think the Civil War comic does it right. The thing that the Civil War comic does is it doesn't do it with the Avengers. It does it with a bunch of C-list heroes who are legitimately dangerous and reckless and fuck up in a gigantic way, right? Like, these are these are people who are glory hounds. All they want, they're, they're filming a reality TV about their, their shitty superhero team or whatever, and they get a school full of children, 800 children killed. That is a perfect way to set up this sort of thing, because it's not the Avengers' fault, right? Like, the Avengers are 
also in this world and also in this category of superheroes but the reason that registration comes about is because there are other bad actors in the superhero community right and so if, if the civil war movie wanted to take a similar tact i would absolutely agree but the civil war movie takes the tact that oh actually when a couple of people get rocks dropped on them and on, and on a gigantic alien invasion that it threatens to destroy the whole world right that's the real problem and not even okay so the other thing is that i watched these movies so close together the real thing that killed me here is that in the avengers movie the government that would be sanctioning the avengers who are now asking the revenger avengers for restraint are all is also the government that fired a nuke at new york city and it's yeah. just like this is ridiculous i can't possibly handle it yeah i mean you know uh, we, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm showing a little bit of my hand there, but like governments being hypocritical is not a thing that seems unrealistic to me. Um, but uh, okay, that's fair. I get that. Um, but uh, just like so, so I, I take all of what you're saying, and I think it's right. I just kind of wanted. I, I don't think I agree with the idea that you're presenting, which is that this was as a result of of like fan complaining. I think this was just like a way to shoehorn in civil war in a way that didn't require them to, like, make a movie about C-list heroes or, you know, like, do, sure. do it, do it okay. in, a, in a smaller yeah, way. Yeah, I, I, I guess I agree with that. It's not insanely well-supported. It's just yeah. kind of like a gut feeling, yeah. I guess. No, I, um, I, I, I So guess I don't that. really have better proof than just, I don't know, you know the, cor that, the correlation that's there. That, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I think the real thing, and and this is completely different, the real thing that this made me feel, though, is so okay do you remember in infinity war we talked about infinity war and we talked about how infinity war didn't get the guardians of the galaxy and didn't get thor and kind of ruined thor and ruined the guardians it and that really sucked right it felt yeah. like they like these characters kind of got ruined for like drama that like they, their drama got spent prematurely or in a really bad way this is the core thing that really like this is the new thing this is the thing that i didn't i remember having these same complaints about the the kind of like the fundamentals of the consequences of the civilian fallout you know when we reviewed this movie four years ago right but the thing that i don't remember is this feeling of they took something i liked and ruined it right in this case it was the avengers right they took that avengers dynamic i liked a lot and they kind of ruined it in a way and that's the thing that really drove civil war down that i don't i didn't remember and this time i wa watching it i was like this feels exactly like what civil war did to the guardians of the galaxy right where it just like ripped the whole team apart kind of out of nowhere and it just didn't feel congruous with the world and the characters that had like come before it which isn't to say that like the characters themselves make sense and it like i think captain america right in this movie tony stark in this movie they have a like a real sort of like through line or whatever but like the avengers as a unit just don't feel like the same avengers that were in or that were in ultron to me which is what really hurts that's the thing that really sucks do you know what i mean i think i, I think i get that yeah i mean i think I think they they probably move too fast. I think this is also a problem I'm gonna ha I have with um, Guardians too. We'll talk about that later. But like, mm -hmm. there's like because they want to get to like the big showy moments. There's like and because it's like movie series, right? Like I feel like if this was a TV series, you could have like a couple of like monster of the week for lack of a better term episodes in the middle. 
where you can have the Avengers being Avengers and it's and it's fine. Yeah. Um, no, the, I actually think that that's a really core core piece of the puzzle. To be honest with you, right? Like the the way that these crossover events work in the comics is they are big momentous mo- like like things, right? But then there's always all this connective tissue because people have their own series, right? Like hmm. there might be a big Avengers crossover book infinity war right sort of thing but like the iron man book is still going at the time that the event like the big event happens and it and it is that glue between the one event and the other right so civil war happens here secret invasion happens here and we have all this glue in between the marvel movies don't really have the glue they just kind of go from event to event and they imply the glue and i've been talking about how i like the implication of the glue essentially right like you know, in Ultron, it does feel like this is a group of friends, right? That they have been fighting for the last two years as the Avengers, right? Thor and Tony and Cap are friends. Um, but, like, their friendship really is implied between movies more so than it is established. Right. Um, and that also sort of means that, like, when the team splits apart and shatters the way that it, that it has here... Um, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you. Um, uh, yeah, I, the, the, the thing I, the thing I was think, thinking of is, is like to, to your earlier point about like things that aren't quite believable, right? Like, you know, Tony's upset that he got a kid killed, and so he brings a kid to fight the Avengers in the form of yep. Spider-Man, right? Like that, that, that was the thing that stood out to me this time, right? Is that like because he, he, he does get like pushback from that at some point in the series but like i i remembered it being in this movie where someone's being like you brought a kid to this fight and it's not in this movie it's just like that kind of like stung stuck out at me right like and yeah I, I i've talked about this before this reminds me a lot of the force awakens in in its uh in the way it happened which is that like this, this wasn't really a thing i noticed in the theater right and at the time i thought it was fine but now that it's been a couple of years and I have, like, more context and I'm viewing it and just sort of, like, not surrounded by all of the hype of its release, um, it is much worse. Like, that moment didn't really stick out to me. I think I did mention it on the podcast, but I was just like, whatever, who cares, right? Yeah. But, like, now it is very out of place. Not actually – it's not actually just out of place. Something that um, – Something that I wrote in my notes is I said the movie feels fundamentally hollow, like too much of it was written and filmed for the theater and not not enough of it was filmed for kind of like repeat viewings. And I think that's exactly this effect, right? The thing where Spider-Man shows up, when it plays on my, you know, computer screen or whatever, it just feels so weird and alien because it's this obvious applause moment. Right. Yeah. And I remember being in the theater where the theater go- went went crazy, and that was a great moment for the theater. But now it's just really awkward and out of place. Yeah. And it kind of like crumbles the whole storyline with it in a way of like, no, I, recruiting Spider-Man. Yeah. This is this is, this is a, an interesting and weird thing because like, this is very much kind of like a a nature of repeated viewings and how much do we care about that? Like you know, you can never go back and see any twist with fresh eyes again, right? Like. Yeah. Um, and this isn't exactly a twist, but it's in that kind of category of things that only like work to their full effect on the first viewing, um, or at least in the, in that in that way on the first viewing. And hmm. and like I think I agree with you, right? Like twists, I think make sense because 
you know, it's like an interesting storytelling thing. This is just clearly for like, you know, like the, and I clapped because, you know, I, I saw it type of thing, you know, like it's, it's, it's Spider-Man, right? Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but otherwise I was, I was kind of struck by like how, like, like this movie, it, it feels, it, it feels sad, Right, like, and I think that's maybe the the point, right? Like, you know, like the the final fight between Cap and uh, and and Tony uh, and and Bucky is just kind of like, like it feels, it feels bad, but like I think that's maybe what they were going for, and so like it's it's it, it's uh, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. How, how do you how do you feel about the villain? Because because I'm, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about him. Um, I think Strucker is the almost the quintessential Marvel villain who is more plot device than character. Um, all the character that he gets is established in a handful of lines. I think his plan makes no sense, but that kind of doesn't matter to me. This falls in the... I, I, I remember th- these two things happening back-to-back, obviously, because the movies came out, but this reminds me a lot of Lex Luthor and Batman vs. Superman, where if you actually lay out his plan kind of moment for moment, it just makes no sense. Like, no logical sense, right? Um, but I don't think it really matters that much because yeah. really the core of the movie is, like, he's sort of just this um, plot device hanging off the side of it, doing doing stuff to sort of, like, push push the story forward, and that's kind of, like, fine. Um, the The... He doesn't really need to necessarily be more than that, I guess is my thing. Yeah, um, I though agree with I that. think the fake out is worse than I remembered it being. I think so. I think Marvel does really well with these plot twists. I've talked about like the Marvel mm. plot twist thing before, and the plot twist in this one was that like that final fight wasn't about you know it like the final thing wasn't about him releasing all of these extra you know whatever Winter Soldiers right. The final thing was about him. Turning getting the Avengers Tony against each other, and yeah. Cap to fight each other, right? Um, and it's just like that. All of that, none of just none of that piece of it makes sense. But the emotional moment still kind of hits. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that. Um, I also don't quite remember. Like, it feels like it just kind of resolves, and it's not too much of a problem. Um, moving forward, maybe yeah, I'm just I think re- that's another piece of it. Absolutely. Um, and and, and that's that's a forward looking problem, right? Like this, this is one of those things where like we we we've talked about like thing like how like viewing the series as a whole can change the 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 movie rate like i think like we've talked about this with the prequels right like i think that like um the later prequels make the earlier prequels better in some senses um um and i think in, in this case i think that the later like the, the like this is a a potentially nice setup point that i don't think it's paid off very well later on yeah this is i think this is another piece that's like disappointing uh i i feel like i'm optimistic about this kind of things in movies right like i always want to give the movie kind of a future benefit of the doubt right something happens and it's cool and it kind of sets up future stuff and i'm like oh that's sweet i hope that that kind of pays off it doesn't really pay off there's like some lip service paid to it in infinity war and it's sort of like a it's sort of like a thing, but like Infinity War is itself such a giant roller. Just like from minute one, Infinity War is like barreling at top speed. So there's just no time for for any of these kinds of moments, which is something to Civil War's credit, right? Like Civil War gives a lot of time for these characters to kind of like sit and talk through their perspectives and sort of like those philosophies and stuff like that. And like I said, like 
that is the stuff that's best. When I I didn't realize how good that conversation between Tony and Cap was until I saw it again. This is one of the only places in the movie where I was like, oh, this is better than I remember. Because, like, you don't quite realize how close Tony gets to convincing Cap, and then he kind of, like, overplays his hand. Because then he says, we're going to get you and Wanda reinstated. And Cap's like, well, what does Wanda have to do with it? Right? Like, as soon as... It, it, and that's the that's like the tension that works and that really and that really kind of like sells all of it but 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 it goes nowhere right like in civil war yeah. none of that stuff pays off as far as i'm concerned yeah, um which I is agree. kind of a yeah yeah know, a yeah. Down, i guess yeah um i i so you you had mentioned on the previous episode i think that you thought that the airport fight was kind of like drab or whatever i i still thought yeah. it was fun um probably because i like ant-man too much but you know i i still enjoyed the airport fight scene it is, so it, it is drab. I don't. I don't like the airport fight really. Uh, it is the color palette that does it for me, uh, and a little bit of the camera work, where you know it is just. It's very. It's very like super bright and um, and lots of like gray and very kind of like muddy. Uh, it does do some cool stuff, right? Like I think the the kind of the giant man moment is is okay. Uh, Falcon. I wrote in my notes that Falcon gets a real cool cool glow up. Like he. He does a lot of cool shit in the movie, which is sweet. Yeah. Uh, I also think Hawkeye does a lot of cool shit in the movie. All that stuff is all that stuff is cool. All that stuff is is there. Um, but uh, but the real thing about the airport fight that kills me is there is no real consequence. Right, right. Um, because I remember that we talked about this because uh, uh, Rhodey doesn't doesn't end up actually. Rhodey doesn't fucking die. He just like walks away, and the and the process of Rhodey getting hurt is much worse. Right, because it's like this contrived accident where like vision misses or whatever. If it was, I just, I just wish it was more substantial than that. But they, it, it, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a, a I, saying. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna say I think it could have even worked if Rhodey was like permanently crippled, right? Like, and, and like maybe like needs the war machine machine to like walk around or something. Like you could even do like a whole plot with that or whatever. But like you know. Mm. By, like, even towards the end of this movie, he's already partially fine, which is, like, I, I think, you know, a little... And, then, and he's cracking jokes about it, right? Yeah. He's, like, doing this whole Tony Stank business, which is, like, quintessential Marvel movie humor, right? Yeah, yeah. Ruining the drama of the moment in order to get in, like, a like a cheap laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, that that's my thing with the airport fight. If the airport fight had had some real kind of, you know, I don't know, consequences, people were getting really hurt um like i believed that they were trying to kill one another you know or like really hurt one another where it, it whereas this is almost kind of like a i don't know just like everybody there, there's just it just doesn't feel like there are any stakes to it nobody's heart yeah. is in it and it and it never and it never gets more drum dramatic than it is so or, or even if they had yeah. paid it off forward right like i could i could mm. buy that like they weren't trying to hurt like they were trying to like take each take each other down without really hurting each other but like this is like the thing that really drives that wedge and like we said it doesn't doesn't really pay off in in the future so yeah and like and the thing is it's, it's there in the other pieces of the movie it's absolutely there in the tony you know in the tony and cap fight at the very end which i think is good right yeah. like it's there in the moment where wanda does the thing to vision that he like plummets through the earth because mm. she increases his density or whatever like that moment legitimately works because you get the sense that she is agonizing over hurting one of her friends but she has to do it because yeah. of you know how how this is all playing out or whatever so it's like they're in these other pieces of the movie but just the airport fight scene i just don't i just don't 
feel like anyone is uh, is really in danger, and then the movie tries to pretend that Rhodey is in danger and he's not. And it's just like, yeah. God, what a mess. I feel like it's because nobody wanted to die. I I think they just should have killed someone and been like, you know what, Jeremy Renner, you are not allowed to come back for these free fucking checks anymore. Okay, Hawkeye's dead. Deal with it. <laughs> like, you yeah, know I mean? that or I mean, like like I said, I, I think I think if you had like. Rhodey in a wheelchair forever when he's not in the suit. Mm. I think that that could have that could have worked, right? Like, um, yeah, or even that he can't be a superhero anymore, or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah. You know, I just I just want some real tangible consequence to happen. Yeah. Um. Right. Well, I think that's about it for Civil War. Let's let's move yeah, on. Yeah, so that's to... Civil War, which I had initially rated two stars. It is now down to one star. Really dislike that movie now. <laughs> okay, uh, mine. I've still got it in like the middle of the pack, um, but we'll we'll go over that at, at the end. Let's uh, let's do Doctor Strange, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange is a movie I historically love. Five Star was my favorite Marvel movie uh, for a while, definitely. Um, like like for for a long time it was Ultron, and then Doctor Strange came out, and I was like, I just love this. This is so quintessentially Doctor Strange. I just love absolutely every minute of it. Um, which more or less held up, but like it held up in a different way. I don't go back – like, I don't really – I've watched Doctor Strange a handful of times after it came out, but I don't really, like, go back to it. I don't really think about it in the same way that I have sort of these touchstone movies, right? Like, I will go to movies I know super well, like Kung Fu Panda or Man of Steel or whatever. Like, these movies I've watched, like, a gazillion times. Ultron is one of these movies, right? I, I mention this all the time. Uh, Doctor Strange is a movie I love that is not one of those movies because, like, at the end of the day, it's fairly disposable – but it's just a really great ride. And yeah. I think if I, you know what I mean? Like it, there, it doesn't have a lot to offer. It doesn't have an insane amount, you know, going on underneath, underneath the surface, but it's just like a good, great, solid story that I just, I just love every minute of it. It has a real heart to it that I think a lot of these other Marvel movies are really lacking. Um, and it nails that character so well. I just, man, I love Doctor Strange. And it, it, the nice thing is that because I hadn't seen it in so long, it was really great going back to it, which I think is kind of the like the category, right? If I watched this movie all the time, I would probably be watching it again and being like, well, I've seen all this already. But because it's been three years or whatever, um, I just, I was just like, boy, this movie's fucking great. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you like ninety percent of the way. Um, the thing that stuck out to me this time is that like he feel he feels in a lot of ways like Tony Stark too, um, mm. uh, and that like I think played a little bit negatively, right? Like he, he's he's a little too similar and kind of like, and maybe this is just because they've been watching him, you know, them all so close back to back. But like you know, arrogant, smart guy who then gets superpowers, um, and like kind of even though like you know Tony builds a suit and you know uh, Doctor Strange learns how to be like you know a a, 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 a magician it's they still kind of like approach those problems in the same like they you know they, they rely on kind of like their it feels like they kind of like rely on, on their intelligence to, to do it yeah. right like like you know um dr strange yeah like i definitely have well continue no i, I was, I was gonna say dr strange is good at sorcery because he's got like really good memory and he like reads a lot of mm -hmm. books really fast right that, that's all let's continue yeah i i like the interaction between dr strange and iron man and i think this is sort of why people forget dr strange in a way um, because a lot of people have connected to Tony, right? And I, famously, I, I never really did. And that is, I think, why this movie works for me so well, because it does a lot of the things that I wish happened in Iron Man movies. Like, so, for instance, 
Doctor Strange is pretty appropriately punished for his arrogance in the script of this movie in a way that I wish Tony was punished for his arrogance in the Iron Man movies, right? Like, I talk about in Iron Man 3 how he just feels like this fucking jackass and I just want to smack him, you know? But, like, everyone is like, oh, Tony's so kooky and funny and relatable and just because he's he's mean to me while he's funny, that's fi- that makes it fine or whatever. Well, like, Doctor Strange is just, like, biting and mean and he faces a real comeuppance for it that feels just so much more satisfying right like there's a whole thing that i really appreciate which i didn't notice before but like i really paid attention to this time he has that conversation with pangborn the guy who was uh paralyzed who used magic to make himself play basketball or whatever right the way that scene plays out is actually really insightful to the, the character dynamic, right? Where Doctor Strange, you know, he's, he's super down, and he goes and he says, how did you do it? And Pangborn says, well, I did it, but you were a huge ass to me, so I'm just going to go back to play basketball. And then Doctor Strange says, you know, um, the, then he kind of confesses. He has this moment of vulnerability where he's like, I can't. Right, and I am losing, and I really need the help. And it's that moment of honesty and that moment of vulnerability where he puts his ego aside and puts that arrogance aside that Pangborn turns around and he's like, "Okay, I will, I will give you the help that you deserve." Right, which is exactly what this is. It is like that. It, it, or exactly what I want to see. It's that like the arrogance is then sort of dismantled over time, and as he dismantles it, he is then rewarded with the good stuff that like comes later. Um, you know, like one of the, one of the details that I think is really great is that it's not a test for him to join the, uh, to, to get training at the school or whatever. Like a lot of time you'll do that thing where they're like, Oh, do you want to learn more? And he's like, yes. And they're like, sorry, leave. But like really leaving is a test and you have to prove your dedication by like staying outside the door. Well, they actually have this scene in Dr. Strange where the ancient one is like, actually i don't want to train him and i don't think he's worth it and baron mordor goes out on a limb for him and says you know what i think you should like reconsider so it's like it's not a test he legitimately shows the dedication and is able to turn their you know like yeah he's able to like turn them around on that And i think those sorts of details are just like so so great and so good and just like mm, what a what a what a solid movie it's not it's nothing it's, it's kind of like aquaman it's like nothing amazingly uh new it's not breaking down any barriers this is a story we've seen a million times but it's just a good story told well yeah uh, and so I, I think the thing that really stood out to me again this time around is is the uh is the visuals right like the mm, like the, the mind-bending yeah. stuff like you know i thought that was like great like I, I don't i don't think it was anything like super insano right like it felt like you know like maybe inception on steroids i guess but it was still fun right and, like still like it was used cleverly right like the thing where like he like punts the one woman through the door and then changes it so she can't come back through. I thought that was clever. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think all that stuff is just honestly super good. It is, yeah. like, inventive and I guess just clever is, like, the good, you know, like, the yeah. good word for it. Where just, like, at any individual moment, I kept being like, oh, that's neat. Oh, that's cool. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the, the, the action just built well. Which, I've been very critical about the action in these Marvel movies, but I, I love all of the action in Doctor Strange. Not because it's filmed well, which is typically my thing. I don't like the way that a lot of these are shot. But uh, just because it is... It's just cool, right? It's yeah. just clever. They really thought it through, and they made neat stuff happen, right? Like, they're in the mirror dimension, and the Ancient One makes the Lotus 
um, makes like the lotus petal, but it's out of subway tiles from New York City or whatever. Like just like yeah, just, ah, it's just neat little details like that. Just so cool. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely. Also, the agree. ancient one dies. Huge yeah. improvement on like every fucking Marvel movie. Someone, there are real consequences. <laughs> Somebody fucking fucks up and they die for it. And it's just like it's because I watched it right next to Civil War that this is a thing that I wrote down. But I was just like, the Ancient One's death... I said, God, the Ancient One's death is so, so good. It's the perfect sticks racing consequence that Civil War pussyfooted around. Yeah. No, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think the, the only thing that, that stuck out at me is like... And they, they try and do their best to be like... And the time stuff is dangerous, so we can't do the time stuff so much. Um, to kind of like get away from what is obviously a problem in the future. Right? Mm. Like... Um, it's like, well, the world's going to end if we don't do the time stuff. So, uh, you can do the time stuff now. Right. Like, and I think that mostly works, but still kind of like, uh, you know, like that'll forever be a kind of like, why doesn't Dr. Strange show up and solve this with the eye of Agamotto, um, type, type of, type of deal. But, you know, I think, I think that's like, that's like more just kind of like a, uh, yeah. I mean, even just having the, having the fight scene in the reversing time, Hong Kong, that's it's just that was the great i mean it's oh, yeah, it was so fun. cool right yeah, it was super fun like yeah. throwing the guy in the thing as the bricks are like coming back in from the demolished buildings just like i don't know I, it's just like, stuff like that's good i do have a bunch of problems with this movie or not a bunch but i have some problems with the movie this has some of if not the worst marvel humor in there i would like, agree i had completely forgotten all of this right where he there's that whole bit with it's like and who are you mr and he's like well, actually, it's Doctor. And he's like, okay, it's Mr. Doctor. And I'm just like, fuck off. I hate yeah, this. No. I hate every second of this. Like, I want I want to like Wang, but I think like 90% of the stuff he does just falls flat. Like, the, oh, like Beyonce. It's like, uh, like that was like, whatever. And then like the thing he liked, the, you know, like he doesn't laugh at anything. And then he laughs at some jokes. Like that fell super flat to me, right? Like, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the, you remember how you really complained about the what are those moment in Black yeah, Panther? Yeah. It is that version. It's like that cringe almost but in, but in this movie oh yeah i hated all that stuff i also think that kaecilius sucks and um and is maybe one of the worst marvel villains out there like ultimately yeah. i don't think it harms the movie that much um because again marvel movie villains are mostly plot devices yeah. um but uh they they i just sort of wish they didn't spend time on him like i if he was just i talk about this all the time right like Sometimes you can just have a villain that has some weird goal. You don't have to give them a motivation. They just want to fucking, whatever. Dormammu says, I'm going to take over the Earth, so I'm doing all this crazy shit. Here, here are my cultists, right? But they do all this stuff with, like, death, and it's like, oh, death is the ultimate. No, no, here's my crazy whack job philosophy or whatever. I'm just like, cut, cut this. Get rid of this. Nobody cares, right? Just have him make his, like, reality knives and throw them at Doctor Strange. You can just say, Dormammu promised that I would rule the world if I did this thing. I would be fine. <laughs> like, I just... It's it, it's like Loki in The Avengers. It's like Ultron. They're just, like... And they're, they're just not... It's not compelling. It's confusing. It's uninteresting. Just get rid of this stuff. So, just have the bad guys be bad, please. So I, I, I disagree with you a little bit just because I, I like... I, I think the issues on the other end where, like, you know, it's, you know, it's like, you know, and she... The ancient one uses a dark dimension, and she's lying to you, right? And like Doctor Strange is like, "Wait a minute, that's true," and he brings it up, and then is immediately like, and then immediately like just like turns back over, and it's like, "Oh, that was fine then. 
that's okay. But then that, like, causes Barter to go off the deep, deep end, right? Like, which just, like, feels like you need at least a little bit there for, like, that mm. to make more – to make sense in, in kind of, like, the – you know, you need at least like, and it's crazy to me that it's not Baron Mordo who calls her on this, right? Like, I it just seems to me like the obvious thing you do is you have Doctor Strange tell Mordo, and Mordo is the one that freaks out. But in that yeah. moment, it is Doctor Strange who's like, "Well, actually, the Ancient One, you're using the Dark Dimension, and that's bad." And it's just like, if this is Mordo's thing, just give it to him, and we don't have to deal with this like weird because it is so weird that Steven just immediately after is like, "Oh, actually, this is fine." Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interrupted by that action scene, but just philosophically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think if 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 I were to, to to redo it, I think you know, like when he undoes the damage to the book, like he realizes it, and then Bardo sees it, and he realizes it, and then like he brings it up later or something, and then then you you kind of like Stephen understands, right? Like where you know, like at some point, like you know, because Stephen. Steven, I think, like, as a character, it makes sense that he's like, well, you, you do what you have to do sometimes, right? Like, I think that makes sense for, 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 for his character, right? Like, um, I think, like, and, and I'm, I'm interested to see, like, Bardo in the future. I think Bardo will be an interesting villain in the future, right? Because, like, he, he, he's, like, very Rorschach, right? Like, you know. Yeah. I, um, and so I think whenever, you know, Mountains of Mysteries or whatever that, that thing is, if it deals with him, I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. But, um. Uh, you know, I, I just don't. I just don't think it's it's handled well. But I, I think that's ultimately a, a minor point, right? It's easy, it's easy enough to. to yeah, like that. I think all this stuff is honestly pretty minor. I also have a couple of problems with. Um, I think the movie. I don't think the hosp the hospital stuff works in the moment, hmm. in like the fight scene. For instance, like this actual projection fight scene is cool, and I like the thing about them trying to save the the ancient one's life, and she slows down time and. They have that astral projection conversation. I think that part is great or whatever. So there's, there's a lot of stuff with this, like, hospital stuff that I that I enjoy. But ultimately, I think this, Christi like, Rachel McAdams Christine character just, like, doesn't really work. She pretty immediately falls away. It's not like she came back in any of the other movies. It just feels – she feels sort of, like, vestigial in a way, right? Like, yeah. we've kind of moved past – the point where all of these characters need their girlfriends to be in the movie like you can just have a superhero movie where there's no love interest that's fine we we're we're fine with that right um and so her character and so and, so, and some of this like ancillary hospital shit i'm just kind of like nah i could live without it yeah I, I think it's supposed to be like you know his like just to, to show him arcing right like he like you know it, it's his arrogance bringing back but like I, like again this is very this, she is like pepper potts in that like she's around when the plot needs her to be and then like you know is like off screen written out of the movies when it's inconvenient to bring bring her in right oh like my God. and then and then she comes back in the next movie completely reconciled having her banter with whatever because it's just the needs of the movie or whatever yeah. i hate that shit yeah. yeah i i i feel like i would just want to like get rid of this like uh it's i don't know the 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 hospital stuff for dr strange is part of like the pilot episode and is never part of anything else after that you know what i mean like nobody ever goes to dr strange for medical advice in the comics or whatever so kind of it just sort of like overstays its welcome if christine was a character that just only showed up in the first act to tell dr strange he's an asshole and then ignore his emails later i actually think that would actually kind of be better because you know what sometimes you don't get closure you don't get to reconcile with people and that's mm. okay that happens we move on in our lives and steven needs to move on from this i don't know I just like I, I feel like that stuff doesn't quite work isn't isn't amazing yeah. but I, I also think it's it's a little bit too crowded right because like I think a 
big moment for Steven is, right? It's like he hands the scalpel off to the, the other doctor that he was telling off. It's like, you need to do this. You need to, you know, save the ancient one. And then the ancient one dies, right? Like, if you think about that for, like, a second, it's just kind of like, you know, it's, it's you know, it's – if I wanted to, yeah. to view it with – I actually think that the perfect time for – like, in, in a certain sense, I think this is why the, the – um, Stephen is the one to bring the Ancient One's transgressions up so that that conversation they have when she dies is, like, more impactful, right? Like, he is feeling shitty towards her, but in in her dying moments, she is able to convince Stephen that actually she did the, the best she could and right. that's okay or whatever. I think that's the moment they're really kind of going for, but it doesn't quite work because it's not set up well, and I think it's because it's all moving too fast. There's too much going on. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a good uh, transition point to, to, to jump us into Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because I think that's like the chief flaw with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I still enjoy this movie. This is this. So this movie of these three movies falls in the middle for me on, on the scale. It also falls in kind of like the upper middle quadrant for me on the, 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 the total rankings. Um, and that's, that's my initial thing. I'll go into the, the pacing stuff after you give your top line, because I want to give you a chance to do that. My top line for Guardians of the Galaxy is, I remember not liking this movie in the theater, coming around on it later, because I had, like, watched... I watched a couple of, like, YouTube videos where people kind of, like, talked about it more, and I saw some of the deeper stuff in it, and I now like it quite a bit. It was four stars for me on Letterboxd, and now it's, it might be a five-star movie. I really like this one. Um, just because, like... In a certain sense, my eyes have been opened to all of the good stuff, and there is a lot of it in here, probably. This is the most thematically and kind of emotionally complex Marvel movie that we've gotten, just because there's a lot of characters with a lot of stuff going on who are going through a lot of different kind of, like, arcs. And um, and I appreciate that. Like, that's that's the stuff that I always talk about wanting, right? This is kind of, like, the ambition that, that, um, that, I, that I respond to in movies. So, like... I don't know. Now that I've kind of been primed to see it in the right in the right way, uh, I really had a great time with this one. Though uh, some of the action sucks, so you know it is what it is. Specifically, the final fight. I, I do not think the final fight is great, even though it apes the shit out of Man of Steel, which you know, big rip. Um. So, so to, to to your point, I think there is a lot going on in this movie, but I think some of that's to its detriment. Like, mm. like in particular, the thing that in particular that, um hits me or the relationships with Yondu, which feel like they are rushed in and out the door because he has to like, he has to like build up these relationships. It's like the, the one that makes that, that really like, I think works the worst is the one with raccoon uh, with rocket. Really? Uh, because like, I love that stuff. I don't know. So, I so I okay. think, I think like it works on a thematic level, but it happens so fast that I don't believe it. Right. It's like 15 minutes, right. Like in terms of like, like even like in universe time, right. Like he, you know, he gives him the speech on the ship and then he dies and rockets like, Wow, my you know the the person that under you know the person that understood me I was like I did, I don't believe that you, you you like really bought that like I think honestly I think that there should have been a middle movie where like you get like more flashbacks to Yondu and and young Chris Pratt and like a little bit more time for um uh, uh what's for for Rocket and Yondu to to grow closer like you could just do like the um the gold people plot because like ultimately they don't really matter, right? Like, Yeah, see, I think they are the ones that don't fit in this movie, and I think that there is some detritus in there that I don't love. Like, I, I, th I think that they're all ultimately, like, okay, but um, if anybody kind of sticks out in this movie, like a Thor thumb, like a, like a, like a sore thumb, thumb 
Uh, it is. Uh, it is the sovereign. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I think I agree, but that, that's why I kind of want to, I, I ideally want to split this, right? Like you give, you give a little bit, a little bit of time to like develop the problems, right? Like I, like, you know, we get like this Ravagers, like, I think the Ravagers stuff works well enough. I think that you can do this in this space. I think they do that fine, but I think it could have benefited a little bit from having like a little bit of buildup. You find out that like Yandu's disgraced in this theoretical second movie and you resolve it in the third movie, right? Like, um, that's at least the way I would have played it, and I think that like, just the, the speed is, is is a real detriment to to, to the movie. Um, yeah, I get that. In a certain sense, this is the this is the perfect. I I think I actually completely agree with this criticism, but this is the exact type of thing that I happily forgive. In in you know like this is perfectly suited towards my taste. I am more than happy to have more. I I I would rather have more than less. And so when when these kinds of films are a little overstuffed, I'm just like that's fine. Like I doesn't it doesn't bother bother me on a taste level, right? Even if on a quality level, I probably agree. Um, and there is some stuff that I like, you know, like there there's some like real damage it does. Like so, for instance, Grax and Mantis. Um, like I like their interactions, and I think that their interactions are like like meaningful. And this is one of the things that really that really sells the movie to me every interaction is like meaningful in, in like a character way or like a or like a thematic way whereas like in dr strange for instance the mr doctor shit is not is definitely not meaningful it's just right. there to tell a joke right or there's that bit with the cloak of levitation where he wants to run one way but the cloak is pulling him back the other way or whatever it's like it is just like 30 seconds of dead time or whatever yeah but it, it needs Guardians to be like shorter does, yeah yeah, what, what Guardians does that's really clever is, like, all of the jokes and all of the humor is, like, also referencing, you know, like, real character moments, right? Yeah. Or, like, they have some meaning in the, you know, like, in kind of this greater thematic web that's being being drawn. Like, you know, Quill and Rocket, and Rocket going back and forth on who's piling or whatever, like, that is funny, is when when Quills goes like lucky for us, and then Rocket goes like Rocket goes like I am, but it but it derives from this core sort of uh, like tension between the two of them, and like that overcompensating nature of Rockets that then comes out later, where he's like stealing batteries he doesn't need because he's like driving people away and all this stuff, and so like it's that stuff that I really 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 love in this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, 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 agree with that. I think, like I said, I, I, I do enjoy the movie. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's fine. Um, I also think Ego is really great. Ego might be the first truly good Marvel movie villain, uh, like that I would think of as just. I, he's just incredibly compelling, very dangerous. The stakes are obvious. Mm. Uh, he has a deep and complex relationship with the characters of the movie, multiple of them, but obviously mostly Peter, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he just, he like, he does the thing where he like explains his plot and his motivation and why he's doing what he's doing in a way that just so many of these other villains like have been whiffing on, you know, like Hycelius and Loki and, and, and whoever else, um, that it just feels, I don't know. It's, he's, he's the whole package. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing that's actually kind of, I think really like the I think that shines really well is the thing that he does that fucks up isn't explaining his like master terrible plan. It's 
admitting that he killed Peter's mother, right? Like, it's like which I think is, is good for, like, Peter's characterization, right? Like, I, like, yeah, I actually really hated that moment at the time because I remember feeling it was incredible. It's wild to me how differently that moment hit because I guess at the time it just felt kind of almost out of nowhere because I just wasn't clicking with the movie. But now that I'm sort of, like, I, I, I see it better, that moment just works so well because it is true, right? Like, this is a guy who it doesn't, I don't know. I, I think at the I think it at the time it just felt sort of like random and out of place, but now it just feels perfectly in line with his character and exactly the kind of mistake that a super egotistical villain would make, right? Like he just literally doesn't care about these people, and so he off the cuff references how he murdered one of them in order to attain his thing because he just doesn't he, he's incapable of the empathy to understand how much that matters to peter it's like i don't know that just felt so it, it, right in, in line with sure. everything we had seen where before it really stuck out as a sore, sore thumb and, for me man why well, need to stop making that euphemism <laughs> i think i think the <laughs> other i think the other part of that too is that it's it's particularized to peter in a perfect way right like mm-hmm. um because like I, I remember being kind of like, eh, on like, you know, the plot point in Infinity War. But like, this happened, I, I forget, I forget exactly, but it happened in the first movie. It happened in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And so it makes, you know, it really makes sense. They do the work to make it make sense for him in Infinity War that like, he is very emotional and like, you know, he will, he will lose his temper and it will cause problems. But I think that like, they do, yeah. they do the work to justify it and it makes perfect sense. I actually think the moment where he just pulls out his guns and shoots is one of the greatest. Yeah. It's like it's like a hunt shot first kind of thing. Yeah, or, like, in or a, somebody, Indiana. Somebody, yeah. yeah, yeah, Like somebody once described the Guardians of the Galaxy as actually a villain movie, which I don't agree with. But like, I, you you kind of get it. Like in a certain sense, they're always bickering, they're always fighting. They they are kind of naturally pretty mean, um, and also pretty mercenary about and, their and like shitty. work. They're not like typically. Yeah. You know, like 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 selfless in the way that sort of superheroes are, and this is the perfect thing that goes along with that. You know what I mean? Whereas, I, I don't think Captain America would immediately pull out his guns and start shooting. It one hundred percent makes sense and is perfectly in line. And I think just like I don't know, a cool moment that yeah. that Star Lord does that exact same thing. They're antiheroes, but without like being edgy, which is not a combination you see often in in, in current yeah. media. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um. But uh, what was it? So, so something I think I liked the first. Time, I remember liking the first time around, but I absolutely despised this time. Was um, the the uh, he might have been your father, but he's not your daddy. I th- thought that would have been a lot better if it was just left unsaid, right? Like, because that's like it's like you know, like ah, yes, this theme is coming through crystal clear, and then they smack you on the nose with it because in case you didn't. Get it, <laughs> the problem with me for that line is that in the last like two years, the term "daddy" has become very low. <laughs> <laughs> jokes about like you know elon musk is cave daddy or whatever like jordan peterson you know like these like these daddies i don't know it's like entered the twitter like lexicon so i just i can't hear that like this line predates all of that stuff but i just can't hear it outside of that context anymore so it's just like oh peter has a fucked up relationship with yondu apparently yeah uh i get that i get that (laughs) it was like that and the the there's only I only have one breather and one jetpack thing right like you know like that makes sense but it also felt like they pulled it out a little too late like I feel like if they had you know like you know a couple minutes you know a couple like 
or maybe like 15 minutes earlier be like you know like you know rockets like checking something and it's like oh i only have one left whatever like that would have but if, if it, to me it felt cheap the way it kind of just like happened at the end it's like ah now we will force the problem um yeah i also this is part of my this is part of my criticism at the end i think that action scene at the end is just too complicated uh which is funny because this is something i praised about the original guardians right where like i liked that all of the action scenes had all of these component parts and it was very trackable, right? Where yeah. what was going, where what was happening, like the prison break or whatever, where you could kind of see they were breaking the team apart and they were all accomplishing their individual objectives and then kind of coming together a little bit later down the line. This action scene also does that same thing, um, but I think it's just kind of like I don't know, it's just like overly complicated. There's so much going on; it's kind of hard to track. Um, you know who is where and doing what on the planet kind of for like in a geographical sort of sense uh which is sort of where i think like that that bit sort of kind of falls falls apart for me and i just sort of wish i just sort of wish yandu had a more straightforward sort of sacrifice than this whole yeah. thing with the rebreather or whatever um you know just shoot the guy and have him yeah. bleed out in an arm like classic shit works man yeah yeah no i, I think I, I think i agree with you on that um yeah yeah um yeah i don't know if i've got uh, a lot more i don't really have any more like complicated thoughts to put in there though i am kind of dreading sort of the, the next slate of movies just because uh i kind of forgot how i i i at the i really didn't love the guardians of the galaxy the way that i do now the guardians of the galaxy have gotten a bigger like a bigger boost from this rewatch um and I think that's going to make some of the some of like the later stuff hurt a little bit more. Yeah. No. I, I, so, so what's what's up next on the on the docket? I always I always that's have to go question. back to, the, uh, to, to this list. Uh, so face we did. So it's Spider-Man: Homecoming, Thor: Ragnarok, and Black Panther, which uh, that's not a bad set. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. That is that is a very interesting set. I have not seen. I've seen uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming is not one that I have revisited often, uh, but Thor: Ragnarok and Black Panther I've seen a couple times. Yeah. Black Panther might be the Marvel. Nah, that's not true. Ultron is probably the one I've watched the most, but I've watched Black Panther a bunch of times um, on like Disney Plus or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we've got we've got those. So with this this it's that one, and then it's Infinity War, Wasp, Marvel, and then Endgame and Far From Home. So we have to do three. Uh, we have to do four of these for Phase Three. Why didn't Phase Four, Phase Three, have so many more movies than the than the other ones? I think it's because the two Spider-Man movies got put in. Um, so if you pull out oh. Spider-Man, well, it's also a little bit weird that Infinity War doesn't end Phase Three, which it feels like it should to me. Yeah. Um, for instance, it's sort of I don't know the 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 I don't know. There's we'll we'll talk about it, I guess. Uh, how how is your week? Tell me tell me all about tell me all about your life. I mean I, I well first let's do our, our final rankings and then you can tell oh, me about yes, Shadowlands because yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, Shadowlands yeah. is gonna you're gonna want to talk for half an hour about Shadowlands. This so. is what I'm super excited about talking about. That's true. All right. So where did you, where did you, where what is uh, uh so I'll, okay, I'll go, so yeah, go for the, it. my 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 top has been Age of Ultron this whole time and that remains. I actually do think which is a little bit different than than I would have guessed because um, like I said I thought Doctor Strange was my favorite after but you know Age of Ultron just has more stuff going on it sort of like stood the test of time a little bit better um, and because of that uh, Doctor Strange hits in that number two spot so it's Avengers Age of Ultron Doctor Strange and then Avengers 1 from 2012 then 
Guardians of the Galaxy 2, also very good. Uh, comes in just below Avengers 1, which is mostly just because of some of this stuff with... Um, which is just, like, mostly because some of this stuff with the end still bothered me. And then, um, and then I don't know, there's just something magical about, like, the Avengers, where it has really kind of, like, risen, and I keep putting stuff up against it, and I'm like, do I really like Guardians of the Galaxy better than the Avengers? And it's like, man, kind of no. Fuck, no, I don't. And then, way down at the bottom of the list, we got Captain America Civil War, which is number, my second least favorite. The first Captain America is still worse. And I still hate it more. But Civil War is also in that one-star territory. Um, so my full list goes Ultron, Doctor Strange, The Avengers, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, The Winter Soldier, Iron Man 2, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor 2, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Civil War, Captain America. All right. So uh, for, for my part, Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy go towards the top, and Civil War goes like – like at the bottom of the good movies and the top of the bad movies, it's like right on that border. So, okay. so top to bottom, it's Ant Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Winter Soldier, Iron Man One, Ultron, Avengers, Thor Two, still tied with Avengers. I think I'm gonna solidify that as tied. Um, uh, <laughs> Captain America: The First Avenger, Civil War, Iron Man Two, Thor One, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man Three at the bottom where it belongs. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man 3 is getting a fucking beating. Yeah. Don't. Wow. What a... <laughs> this, is, this is actually really interesting because I felt like at first our lists were pretty similar, uh, but now they have diverged very harshly. Like, they are very different lists at so, this point. So there are there are, there are are weird swap points, but, like, you know, we both put Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy pretty high up towards the top, right? Like, like That's true, yeah. Um, I, I wonder, like, I feel like... We'll, we'll do this at the end, but I feel like... On the movies where we're similar on, there's not going to be that much difference. But on the movies where we differ, they're going to be very different, right? Like if we, yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But uh, tell me about Shadowlands. Okay, so uh, I told the story to Mango off the cast, but uh, last night was Tuesday, um, which was officially a week, right? Shadowlands launched essentially on midnight, but like kind of into Monday, technically speaking. Of um, it was it was a week of Shadowlands being out. And we all did slash played, which is the command that you can use in game to see how long you have been playing your character, right? Your overall time for this this entire character's lifetime, and also your time at whatever level you're at. So I leveled Bairn, my main, to 60 in the first two days, because um, I took that whole week off from work, and I was just playing Shadowlands. Rachel and I were playing together. She was playing Arahe, her main. I was playing Bairn, my main. Um, and we got to max level uh, at the end of the second uh, at the end of the second day, which meant that I had about five days of being five like five and a half like six days of being max level. And my time played at the time was thirteen hours or, or three days and thirteen hours, which is about half my time waking. More than that, actually, but about sixty percent of the time I was awake, I was playing world of warcraft <laughs> which is great because i have been missing this feeling i've been playing i've just been like so hyped for shadowlands and just really in a wow spot for so long but there's just there was nothing to do i had already done all the cool stuff in 8.3 i had gotten my you know i had gotten my achievement for the the keystone dungeons we had gotten ahead of the curve like defeating nazoth um and i had all these characters at max level they all had 
gear rankings. I was getting like these, like the, the achievements for putting the time in or whatever. And then I was sort of like left with like three months of just like, well, there's no use doing anything. I just can't get rewards really from doing anything. And so it's just so, so nice to hit an expansion and now I'm getting like upgrades and we're running dungeons and I'm looking at it, it's like, ooh, this is a great item for me or whatever. Like, it's just been so long since I've had that feeling. Um, because for the longest time, it was just like, you know, like I would get an upgrade like once a week may at max, right? Um, if my, if my like mythic plus chest rolled well or whatever completely. Um, and so th that just like feels great. That just like, is such a cool, uh, sort of like feeling to have again. And yeah. Shadowland systems are neat. They're very different than the Battle for Azeroth systems, but in like uh, a way that feels sort of weirdly gratifying. I'm actually a little down compared to the way a lot of people are, just because they they really loved like um, that like some of these changes. But like so, for instance, okay, so one of the things that bothers me a little about Shadowlands compared to Battle for Azeroth is that like there is no infinite grind. Which I know sounds crazy and stupid, but hear me out. Um, if you like playing the game, like if you like doing stuff in the game, it's nice to always have like value to be get gotten, even at very low rates out of the stuff that you do, if that makes sense, right? So for instance, uh, for me, it's Torghast. Torghast, which is this, um, it's this like instanced mode, but you can do it solo, you can do it in two people, three people, in all different combinations. You could do five healers if you wanted, you could do tanks or whatever. Um, and the whole gimmick behind Torghast is it's a roguelike, right? So as you are progressing through the, through the dungeon, you're getting these powers that are dramatically altering the way your character works and is built. So for, um, for Warrior, it might increase the duration of Bladestorm by 40%. It might reduce the cooldown of Mortal Strike. And you can stack these powers, right? Like, I had a run where I reduced the cooldown of Mortal Strike so many times that I just didn't have a cooldown. And I was just running around. The only thing, I was just hitting with my most powerful ability over and over and over again. I had a run where I was, um, my whole thing was I had a whole bunch of defensive powers and I just didn't die. Because I, my main defensive, its duration was increased and its cooldown was decreased such that I could just always have it up. And I'm just always parrying and nobody could ever melee me ever again. And stuff like that just like feels sweet. But the thing is, is that Torghast only has weekly rewards, right? So when you play, um, when you play Torghast, when you, when you walk in, you get that max level reward. If you complete the floor three of wing whatever, you get the, the, the dust which is very valuable it's the stuff you use to craft legendary items but then you just can't do anything more and i want to play more Torghast, but there's just like nothing you get out of it i guess besides like loot like like gold right like uh vendor trash or whatever so that's sort of the world that we that we live in not all pieces of Torghast are open and they have promised that there is a a mode for people like me who just are they just like the roguelike stuff and they want to do more of it uh, so, so it's not all open because the raid isn't open. Mythic Plus isn't open. Uh, Torghast caps at the third, uh, they call them layers, right? They, they caps at the third layer, um, but they, the layers go all the way up to eight. The next three layers up to six open with the raid, which opens next week. And then the final two layers open with the Mythic Raid, which opens the week after that. Um, so, you know, hypothetically speaking, I will report back and say, oh, it's super fun to play Torghast because I can just grind Twisting Corridors this whole time. Um, and then 
uh, but the other thing that they have done is they have sort of changed some of the systems to be very focused on like the big gameplay mechanic, which is Covenant Sprite. You have the four different factions, and you sort of pledge your loyalty to one of them. But a lot of your power comes out of that choice and that faction, right? Um, and you are, instead of like grinding for artifact power levels or whatever, like you did in Legion, like you did in Battle for Azeroth, you are now grinding for renown, but it's not even really a grind. It's just like a weekly quest, and you can increase your renown by two or three a week. Um, and so, you know, you just put in a certain amount of the time. I did all of mine yesterday on reset day, and there's just no more power for myself to unlock until next week's quest unlock, which is, is freeing, I guess. This is the thing that people always uh, talked about, which is that, like, the ability to endlessly grind those artifact levels sort of created a feeling that of, like, FOMO, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you're not done with your character until you have done this thing. But now, I can just log in in a day and take care of all of my character's shit, right? Um, all of his weekly whatever, all of his rep, all of his, you know, stuff. And if I want to go above and beyond, I can do above and beyond. I can clear all of the world quests. I can do X, Y, and Z sort of thing. Um, but for the most part, the power I'm going to gain each week is pretty easy to attain. So, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, that's more or less where I'm at. What do you, do you, what do you, what do you want to know? Do yeah, you have so any questions? The, the, the covenants, I know that there has been, you know, we, we've talked several times about like the, the potential kind of uh, backlash from the covenants. Mm. D d d how, how is it playing out in reality? Uh, in reality, I don't think it matters so much yet. Uh, because the raid isn't out, which is mostly the way that people adjudicate this stuff. Uh, I have not seen a ton of talk about Covenant Balance, but I imagine that I will in a week or two. Okay. Right? You know, once the World First race kicks off, once people are thinking kind of along those sorts of lines, it's likely that, you know, people will be having these kinds of conversations. Um, for my part, I have dutifully chosen the worst warrior covenant. Fuck me. Uh, however, I have decided to buck the trend, and I have made a build that I think is good, and the theory crafters can go to hell, and uh, uh, and it's working out pretty okay. Um, you know, it's not the best thing for, um, you know, it's not the best thing for certain types of content, but it will work out sort of like later down the line. Part of it is that like when we were testing this Covenant stuff on the beta, it was just all unlocked, but now it is gated behind that weekly renown. So it is less about like what is the, it's kind of like, it's like comparing a final build to a mid game build in like League of Legends or whatever, right? Like, yeah, technically Infinity Edge is better than, you know, Phantom Dancer in a final build in a 45-minute game of League or whatever. But actually, maybe Phantom Dancer makes sense in the mid-game when you're getting hunted down or whatever yeah. you want to use, like, Phantom Dancer for sort of thing. Like, each of the Covenants has their own sort of utility, has their own sort of highs and lows, where certain, certain um, you know, uh, abilities are sort of shining and other abilities are kind of, like, falling by the wayside. And I feel like that's pretty natural. Um, so I may have the worst warrior ability in kind of like raw DPS terms, but it's actually changed our gameplay quite a bit because it's a big cooldown. There's a group cooldown, right? Like I can, I, I plant a war banner and everybody in the ban or two people in the banner, two of my allies and myself all get plus 10% crit chance. So it's like, well, where am I dropping the war banner for the fight? This is something that like we're now thinking on a kind of strategic level about. Right. Um, whereas, you know... If I was just going the, if I was just going like the blanket, 
what recommended covenant i wouldn't be making those sorts of decisions or like my group and i would not be making those sorts of decisions together also because phalanor and i played so much together and he also plays arms warrior it would kind of suck if we both went the same covenant yeah. he went the best covenant but also sort of for rp reasons um which is venthyr which changes your execute to a better version of execute um and it's actually kind of neat that now he and i are playing the same spec of the same class but we are built pretty differently and we are looking for kind of different stuff um and i don't know that's just all that seems just like really neat and really cool to me this sounds fun um yeah uh what was the other also crafting legendaries is nuts and super cool because it i, we, I talked about this on the cast a little bit a, a while ago where it's like a professions thing where if you have you like you have to buy the like the item and then you have to enchant it and then you have to do whatever in order to uh in order to make it so it feels like there's a real profession kind of like gate there's real profession gameplay in a way that i just haven't felt in a long time all right so for gear that that that's uh 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 real real quick first um how is the ability on squish treating you right like that was the thing that they did they like gave everybody a bunch more abilities they like oh yeah, yeah yeah the unpruning uh the biggest change for that for me is i had to add a lot more hotkeys for a long time i was just going one two three four five six and then shift one two three four five six alt one two three four five six and the f keys so f1 through f6 just because like that's sort of the reachable keys on the keyboard but now i have all these new abilities so i'm now into alt q alt w alt e you know shift q shift w sort of thing um which is honestly pretty funny but i do like having the extra utility like one of the things in general i haven't found the unpruning to make any meaningful distinctions right like there the 90 percent of my gameplay is the exact same right okay. um and it's not like they unpruned anything that became a core piece of my rotation but they did unprune stuff that's just neat and useful so for instance warriors now have challenging shout again which just taunts everything in an area so something that i can do as an arms warrior is i can challenging shout die by the sword which increases my parry chance to 100 percent um so like if a tank dies in the dungeon i can do a challenging shout die by the sword combo to pull all of the mobs so that when the tank gets battle rezzed you know like he can come up and, and take things so it's 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 stuff like that you know um one of the things they unpruned from hunters for instance is trank shot uh like um tranquilizing shot which removes an enrage effect so there is that extra utility if you're a hunter it's like oh can you trank off this enrage it's like oh yeah sure that kind of stuff okay cool um uh, back to the uh to the the profession stuff um i gotta know how's fishing uh, fishing apparently is good. I haven't done any of it, but Rachel and Phelanor both did, and they did a bunch of stuff with it, so, I don't know, apparently yeah. that's cool. One of the things about the Shadowlands is they're, the four different zones are themed very, like, heavily towards their covenant or whatever, so it is more, like, clear and obvious how and why you want to go fishing, right? Like, you want to go to a zone because the fish are going to be in this, you know, like, in this specific zone doing this specific thing, um, and they're, like, specific fishing poles or something i don't really know but uh, you know, so that i don't think it's anywhere close to legion which is probably the most advanced yeah legion's the gold standard and there's some stuff in battle for azeroth there, there there's a bunch of fishing achievements that are like cool and give you unique shit but for the most part i don't know fishing is fishing hmm. um and uh, i'm told it's fun <laughs> and, and and how is how is the lore so far uh the lore the lore is good, I would say. There's a lot of neat stuff going on, though it... So, one of the interesting things about 
Shadowlands is one of the things that you can unlock over time with Renown is access to your Covenant storyline, which is sort of like the Order Hall storylines from Legion right. or the um, the war campaign from Battle for Azeroth, where you know you you have to like unlock over time all this stuff. And so these stories have sort of played out in a much, much different way than they did in BFA. Like one of the nice things about BFA actually that I think was really strong is that both of the zones pulled a an entire story like all packaged into one, right? So you had that big Zandalar Forever sort of finale. You did Voldoon, you did Nazmir, you did Zuldazar, and you got this thing where you know, you are you're fighting Mithrax and that big great seal breaks and all this other sort of stuff. Um, and that kind of tells a complete story. So, like, the questing experience into that tells the complete story of Zandalar and it kind of takes off from there. But, like, it is its own sort of thing, if that makes sense. In this, each of the zones have a quest line that you go through, but they all feel like pilot episodes in a way. So, for instance, you go through Bastion, which is the very first zone, you uncover this alternate, you know, these, these dark fallen angels. They're doing bad, evil shit, these fallen angels. And then you just kind of move to the next zone. And it's like, well, wait, wh what about these guys? And it all makes sense. You know, like, it makes sense in context that you move to the next zone or whatever. It's not like that moment is, like, bad or weird. But you are left leaving a lot undone. And the thing is, it's because you're kind of leaving that stuff for the Covenant storyline so that when you play a Kyrian character and you level their renown up, and you unlock the story, you then pick up where you sort of left off. So in a certain sort of sense, each of the zones has like its leveling story and then its max level story. And we've only unlocked two chapters of the max level story so far. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, it's all sort of up in the air. There is a cinematic with, there's a bunch of cinematics actually that explain kind of what's going on. And there is, uh, there's just like some neat moments, just like playing through the campaign is pretty compelling. There's like a plot twist that's cool. There's actually a bunch of plot twists that I did not see coming, and I was like, oh, neat sort of thing. Um, but like the ultimate plan of the jailer is still kind of in question. We haven't seen that much with Anduin and Sylvanas. We haven't, you know, uh, sort of gotten a greater picture of who the, the jailer is and what's going on. Though in a lore sense, there's just like a lot to uncover with that stuff that is like pretty sweet and pretty neat so i don't know yeah that's where we're at awesome awesome uh i think that's all the questions i had off the top of my head fair uh, enough what have you been playing my dude so i haven't been playing a ton of stuff but i did over the past week watch a classic uh trilogy of american cinema oceans 11 12 and 13 <laughs> uh, i love those movies <laughs> so it was, it was it was fun going back and watching them because i hadn't seen them in, in forever um, they're all on Netflix if anybody at home wants to watch them. Um, and uh, like, I think 11 and 13 are great. I think 12 has a lot of problems, but, uh, 12 has a lot of problems, but it has the single best moment in any of these movies, which is when yeah, I didn't remember Danny and Julia Roberts are like talking to the Fox guy and they're like, how did you get past? Like the RNG laser field. And it's just like, it goes to the three minute sequence of him like breakdancing through the laser. I was just, I, ah, oh, that moment is so good. It's, it comes out of nowhere and it's just like, ah. Oh. My, so my, my personal favorite is the plot point, which is um, that uh, uh, Julia Roberts' character 
Like, a plot point is that Julia Roberts' character looks like Julia Roberts. Um, mm. And they have to deal with, like, a cameo from Bruce Willis. who's like, Julia! <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. which, which is, like, that's actually, like, a really clever kind of... Uh, you, for a plot for for a heist movie, you like use that uh, yeah. use that point. I, I think I think that's cool. Um, I Especially Julia Roberts playing a bad impression of Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts, right? Like, there's the point where Don Cheadle is like, she's from Georgia, so like you got to do the drawl or whatever. And she tries to, and she's really bad at it or whatever. It's just like that. Yeah, like Don Cheadle honestly, using people, doing people a very that. bad British accent, telling her that she needs to do a good yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah. I, the, people hate that part of the movie. Uh, and I remember it got all this flack at the time. And I do think that that movie is pretty bad, to be honest. Uh, but, like, it's just fun. I don't know. It's just, like, dumb, stupid fun. It yeah. doesn't make a lick of sense. Just zero, zero so, sense. So, so the, the thing that I think really hurts 12 a lot, and this, this is what you talk about, like, stakes being undercut, right, is that, like, it turns out that none of it mattered, that, like, it was all actually solved, like, you know, two days ago, and they're just doing this so that they can convince the fox that they're like which is just like <laughs> way to like undercut everything that just happened right like yeah um though i love the beginning of 12 also where andy garcia's character who they robbed in the first movie just like shows up at their house with a bunch of fucking goons because he's a gangster and it's like it's like you know i sometimes think about this for like movies or whatever where it's just like that absolutely makes sense obviously this would happen you think he's just gonna let them get away with this god god no right i don't know i thought it's, that was really then they immediately uh, going and he's like you know you got the money back right yeah well then why do you care uh because i'm mad right like it's you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but i do think oceans 13 is legitimately amazing yeah really no that, they, they, that one is like the good one in a way yeah um i i think i think it's a toss-up whether 11 or 13 is better 13 has a couple oh, like really? so I think the biggest problem with um, 13, and this is, this is also a problem with 12, but 12's got bigger problems, is um, is that, like, it becomes a lot, like, 11 is very good about it being about everyone. I think mm. 13 is a little bit too much about, like, Danny Ocean and uh, Matt Damon and, uh, and Brad Pitt. Um, oh, see, I actually like that about, like, 11 is a fun romp. But like it's ultimately pretty, you know, like meaning. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a, it's just a fun romp. There isn't really anything more going on underneath the surface. There's no themes. There's no character arcs. It's just get a bunch of cool people in a room and watch them do cool shit, and that's fun, right? But thirteen actually has that stuff, right? You have the stuff with Matt Damon and his dad. You know, you have this stuff with Danny and wanting to retire and Rusty. I actually like Rusty quite a bit. This is another reason why I like 12 more than most people because I like the thing with him and Captain Zeta-Jones. Because mm. um, I think Rusty is actually way more interesting than Danny. And I like that he's like a central character, but I want him to be like the guy in a certain sort of sense. Um, and so uh, and so I like all of his stuff in 13. Yeah, okay. That, that, that is fair. I just... I just want a, I just want them to have a little bit more in them, right? Like it's like, like especially like I think uh, what is what is the guy's name? Livingston, the uh, like like that that part like the really computer guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that part really, it part really bothered me. Not because like what he did was where, which is for people at home that don't know, he like has to like rig a shuffling machine, but he can't do it, so he gets the other computers guy to help him. But like in the process, he puts the whole mission in jeopardy, which feels like very out of character for these guys, right? Like he put his pride before that. Um, uh, but uh, you know, whatever. It's not the. I do like that they brought back the fox, and they don't 
even like mention him, right? Like they just like zoom in on him, and so if you don't know what's happening, you're like, who the hell is this guy? And what you know? Um, uh, so I, I thought I, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing, I, other movie I watched was um, I watched Kung Fu Hustle, um, with which I hadn't seen before. Um, Wait, is that the the, the spoof one? No, no, that, that's Kung no, Pao that's... Into the Fist. Um, Kung Pao, Jesus Christ, yeah. I'm an idiot. Kung Fu Hustle, though. I don't think I've seen Kung Fu Hustle, then. It is a, so it is, it is like Kung Pao, and that is a comedy, but it is unlike Kung Pao, and that it is like, it's like, whereas, like, Kung Pao is kind of like, you know, you, you know, Western cinema making fun of, of, uh, of, like, Wuja, like, mm-hmm. this is, like, Eastern cinema using Wuja to make a comedy film, right? It kind of comes across as, like, you know how, like, Wuja's, like, Unrealistic and has like these like over exaggerated like fight scenes. Um, they do that to make to do comedy. It basically feels like Looney Tunes and it's fun in that way. Um, there's some stuff that like doesn't um, doesn't modernize super well. Like um, one of the characters like is like he's like a kung fu master, but he's kind of effeminate and they like call him a fairy a bunch of times. And I don't think that that, that plays as, as, as well nowadays. But um, mm. it's uh, it's fun. I like I. <laughs> It was uh, it's super goofy. Like I thought, I thought it'd be like because it was just like goofy. It'd be fun to like you know my my parents wanted to watch it. I was like, I've heard this is good, and like my dad was just like not having it. It's like this is like this is stupid. But he like he was like laughing a little bit with it. But it's just like it didn't like play super super great for for that. But I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was entertaining. People really love this movie, and I don't quite get that because like the plot's kind of nonsensical, um, which is fine, right? Like, um, it's kind of like uh you know an attempt to do like like my 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 understanding is this is kind of like a, a like a like a, an early attempt in this this kind of cinema space and for that i'll, I'll give it applause but like oh, okay so i do know this guy because he's the shaolin soccer guy that would make Except sense everyone at everyone at college always wanted to watch shaolin soccer which was like okay I don't know. I'll, have, I'll have to put that on the list because I, I i think he had some good stuff in here but it like just like was very rough very very rough around the edges um but uh, it was it was fun. Um, otherwise, I've been playing Neon Abyss, which is just another roguelite. Um, it's like oh a, yeah, I know Neon Abyss. Yeah. I, I know those guys. They're V Vivo Vivu Games or something like that. Uh, I like I think I talked to one of them at PAX. Um, yeah, no, they're, they're it's it's a it's a fun game. Um, uh, it's uh, it's interesting because like you know how like in, in roguelikes like you you like kind of like are looking fishing for the run where you're overpowered. Um, yeah. So. This feels good in that that's like basically every run. I think I think actually Gone Viral does 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 well with this too, um, to to throw some uh to, some praise uh in, in their direction, um where like if you can survive for long enough you will eventually build up enough like it is more uncommon to have a bad run than it is like in, in other games you kind of like fail out fast and you just kind of like keep yeah repeating. no I super feel that for sure um I think that like for the genre that's fine um but like I think Neon Abyss does a good job of like. As the game, like you will get overpowered, but you will have to be on your toes in order to, to deal with like the the challenge, which um, I think is is cool because like a lot of the times with uh, with with, um, with with traditional rogue like the other games, right? Like you'll feel like sometimes like you'll win, but not because you played it well. It's because like you got lucky, which actually makes a lot of sense in kind of the original um, uh, uh, in the kind of like the original genre, like in like actual, actual, like, you know, kind of core roguelikes because those are like turn-based and you don't have a lot of skill, like skill does not 
factor into it nearly as much, especially in like mm-hmm. you know, uh, what is it? Uh, it's NetHack. NetHack, uh, I think, is is what it's called. Um, um, but like the like the older games, like because they're all turn based, it's you dominating because you got a good roll makes a little bit more sense. Um, but in the action games, you kind of want it to feel like it's because you're you're performing well, and sometimes it feels like it's just because you've got you're too powerful. But it does it does a good job of, of balancing it. So that's been yeah. That's actually an interesting thing I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially when it comes to like Torga- you like playing through Torghast and like on viral and stuff like that, right? Like where the I feel like there's sort of two pieces of decision making where one of them is co- sort of like a like a moment to moment decision and the other is sort of like a like an overall strategy decision. So okay, okay. So the thing that made me think about this is um how StarCraft 2 pros transition to Hearthstone so seamlessly, which seems crazy when you when you say that, right? Like why would a StarCraft 2 player go to Hearthstone of all games? Because like Starcraft 2 is all about APM and all about, you know, like your ability to like multitask and being timed and Twitch stuff, right? Whereas Hearthstone is all about, it has nothing to do with that stuff, right? Like APM, I mean, sometimes it does, but very rarely matters to that game. Um, and it, and I kind of had this like, like thought about this for a while, but it, uh, the, the epiphany came to me when I was watching Destiny's stream. Destiny was a Starcraft 2 streamer and he was streaming Starcraft 2. Um, because they had announced that StarCraft 2 wasn't getting, you know, like, that was functionally shutting down. They're not doing any more paid content. They're, they're, it's sort of on, um, you know, like, they're keeping the servers up and they're doing new seasons, right? But they're, they're just, like, not putting new content into the game, that kind of thing. Um, and so, and so he was, like, playing a bunch of StarCraft and I was watching him play, play a bunch of StarCraft. And it's funny because he was actually getting dumpstered sometimes. Like, you know, he pretty quickly got up to, like, Diamond or Plat or whatever. Uh, but I was just, like, watching him get dumpstered by these people, um, who were, just had higher, like, APM than him. Um, and I sort of had this realization that, like, for StarCraft players, they think of themselves as strategy gamers, right? But a lot of the decisions in StarCraft are these Twitch decisions. Like, can you think fast enough? And do you have the APM to kind of, like, execute on it? Um, whereas in Hearthstone, the decisions you make aren't about do you have enough APM. There, there are, can you make the right, like, are you making the right strategic play? Can you kind of see, like, in a chess sort of way, right? Like, can you sort of, like, see the future and make those sorts of decisions? Um, and I think that that's a, a piece of it when it comes to roguelikes, right? Um, and we're, when it comes to these kinds of mechanics where you are, you are, shown like a limited set of options okay one mutation or another right like here are the two torgas powers which one do you take sort of thing um and it's kind of bled over into a bunch of different places even like the battle royale stuff is the same sort of way right like when you come to uh you know when you come into a building and there's an ak-47 and uh a sniper rifle you get to make that same sort of choice and sort of like a roguelike choice in a way um, I don't know. That's just been something that's on my mind. I don't really have any more concrete thoughts on it than that, though. No, no, no that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's it's interesting because like the choice the choice part of that is I think a relatively new innovation for the roguelike like genre. Like a lot of them are like, especially the cl- the classic ones are like kind of like the choices you make are kind of like in like inventory carrying, but like games have generally kind of done away with that, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Also, just kind of like there's been a big push towards action roguelikes, right? Like there's like, there are, I can count on like one hand, maybe the, the amount, the, the number of like 
very roguelike roguelikes that that have like any sort of uh, traction that aren't like the 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 kind of originals like Reborn or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, that 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 makes uh, a lot like that, that is definitely an interesting thing to to, to think about. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've got anything more to say about that, but yeah. Um, uh, the only other thing I did this week of note is um, Action Button Reviews came out with a review of Pac-Man. Um, I was crowing about them a couple months ago where they did Doom. It's another three-hour review where Tim Rogers talks about um, Pac-Man as kind of like a cultural icon and like different versions of Pac-Man. Um, uh, like uh, I, I, part of the thing he does with these reviews, he has like taglines, and the tagline for this one is, uh, you know, Pac-Man – uh, Pac-Man has come a long way since itself, um, and then he like proceeds. To, <laughs> uh, he proceeds to list off in like for like it feels like a solid ten minutes, right? Like every time somebody in news media has said, you know, video games have come a long way since Pac-Man, <laughs> like flashes it across the screen. But um, it's uh, it's 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 great content, and I highly recommend anybody go uh, anybody go seek it out. I'll uh, I'll link it at the. Uh, at the at, at, in, in the show notes, but uh, that is interesting. Yeah, the things I've been watching recently, I watched Kim's Convenience. I went back mm. and I watched all of Kim's Convenience. What a just easy feel good show that is. Though I have to say, so for those who don't know, my stepmother is Japanese, and um, and she would kill me if I said if she heard this. And um, the way that the mom, who is Korean, not Japanese, but also an immigrant, um, the way that the mom in that show behaves is like so true to life it like hurts like there will be things that happen and i have to stop i'm just like oh God, like it's too real it's too real for me um but like out of man i i really just like i don't know why i just had the thought oh you know what it was in the mandalorian that actor who's the, the of the of the dad shows up and and the, he was on twitter and it was just like a screenshot of like oh he plays like this bit part as like a cameo sort of thing and i was like you know what i never watched the final two seasons or not the final two but the next two um of kim's convenience and it's just like what a just like simple straightforward sitcom doing simple straightforward stuff i love it uh and then i also went back to i started re I started watching the sopranos picking up where i left off in like season four. Oh man um, we should we should whatever. do that I, I need to watch that at some point we I, honestly should do that because like honestly the sopranos i don't think is is it you can you can tell it is the genesis of like a lot of this stuff like a lot of like the prestige tv stuff that we do comes from the sopranos but it also has a lot of growing pains i guess from that, you know, like from that era that are that are very apparent, um, and it's funny, but it's also just so New Jersey. God, every time yeah. they say like Gabagool, I want to die. Yeah. <laughs> no, my my parents love. I think I've said this before. My parents love watching it because it's like where they grew up, right? Like it is. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I see. I don't rec I recognize them when they're in Newark, uh, but I don't. I don't recognize because it's all in North Jersey. Yeah, right? yeah. Like in Patterson and Fort Henry, across the bridge or whatever. That's where Tony lives. Um, and uh and so like there are some times where i get these like brief flashes of like oh, 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 oh you know yeah um but yeah uh what's the other? have you been watching any mando yet um because i haven't mm -mm, um i have not we i i want to i keep getting fucking spoiled for shit obviously um, yeah because the mandalorian has become you know it's like it's like the it's like game of thrones you know what i mean like everybody talks about it the day after it airs 
Um, and I just kind of almost, I have, I almost like resent it that, that it behaves that way a little bit. Um, yeah, apparently but, not so, only, not only know. do I have to like, you know, I wanted to rewatch season one, but I also apparently have to watch all of rebels and like, yeah. And all of the fucking clone wars and just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. I like, I like me some star Wars, but can we calm the fuck down? We, 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 we might need to, to put off our, our, uh, our show about our, our cast about that until like six months after it happens. Like we did for, for last year. <laughs> um, that's true. Oh, you know what else I've been watching is Summoning Salt for uh, for speedruns. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, I don't know why he, he has a great voice and it's amazing to do dishes to, and it, it, which is weird because I'm do, when I'm doing dishes, I'm doing it across the wall in that other room. So I'm not watching the speedruns take place. But just, like, hearing him describe it makes it so easy for me to, you know, like, do this stuff or whatever. Um, Did, and it's it, always just, like – The latest one was about, like, nuts. the guy who tried to beat all the records, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who went who was trying to do thirty two out of thirty two on Super Mario Kart have all of the time trial world records in three lap and fast lap, and he gets to thirty one out of thirty two seven times before he loses and he just he starts people take these records off of him yeah. or whatever. The thing that I that is crazy to me about these world records is that like they just are constantly going down. Like I just feel like people would eventually optimize. Like everything and it would just be impossible to get a, a, a faster time and that is just consistently not the case which i just find mind-boggling yeah no I, I i absolutely agree i think the video is great because it's like a testament to the power of spite because like everybody's like we can't let this guy <laughs> throw us off um but uh i i think i i uh i generally uh, agree with you um about like the, so the time thing like somebody somebody i forget who pointed out that like you know there's a point in the far-flung future where eventually every video game gets beaten at its minimum time, right? Like, also, like, you see some of the, the, the conversation around this is, like, like what glitches are accepted and, like, what category becomes, like, the competitive category because, like, yeah. there are, like, you know, at some point you'll get to a point where, like, you will max out a category and kind of uncertain, like, in very certain terms, right? It's like, you know, you have a glitch that's so powerful that, like, you know, the millisecond you can shave off of, like, you know, getting it done, right? Like, you know, like, things that are, like, you know, beat the game in like half a second or whatever right like that you end yeah no h bobber guy has a really great video about this um where he talks about which is very different than summoning salt because summoning salt does all these retro games right he's doing like dk64 cool. speed runs or like you know uh like super mario brothers speed runs or whatever but in um in h bobber guys he talks about dark soul speed runs and how one of the categories uses a glitch that got patched out and so you literally can't compete in that category unless you have a PS4 that hasn't been updated since, you know, whatever, like 2014 or something, right? Like, and so, like, that category is actually kind of prized in that way because you can't it, – it's, like, it's so hard to, to run it yeah. um, because, the, because it got patched out or whatever, which I just think is, like – Honestly, honestly crazy. Though he also has a bit where he talks about some of the very uncommon speedruns. Like a guy who did Mirror's Edge 25 times in a row and it took him 17 hours. Which Those are the speedruns I want to I wanna watch, right? Like, I want to watch those, like, dedication speedrunners where it's not a it's not a test of, like, how quick and do it in five minutes. It's a test of can you sit down and do it in one sitting. Like, that kind of thing. The, uh, yeah, like, the, the weird ones are always, like, uh, I th it might have been something solved, but somebody... Did 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 one about like blindfolded Mike Tyson, 
right? Which oh, is, somebody salt did yeah. that, did blindfolded Mike Tyson. Which I like that one a lot. This is just like or like um, you know, the the video that kind of like got a lot of traction, maybe like a probably like eight years ago by this time, which is like the you know the the two and a half a press um you know like Mario Brothers segment beat right like or. There was Super yeah, Mario 64. Oh my God, the two and a half. Uh, I watched that full video and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. That, I mean, which is the point of that, watching that video, obviously. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, just like the, 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 the whole kind of explaining there, but like, you know, deep, deep, because like thinking about like, like the, the tech is super cool to me, right? Like, like I don't ever have any desire to, to like run speed runs. Like maybe once, like maybe once in a while I'll be like, okay, this is, this is neat for, for a little bit, but like, you know, under like, Part of it's like the programming stuff, right? It's like, you know, well, why does jumping on the wall in a specific way cause you to jump forward like 30 times, you know, like, you know, um, understanding the programming and the glitches in that kind of way, like the TASs are almost more kind of interesting to me because like the human accomplishment part of it is like whatever, who cares, right? Like, you know, like it, it, it's, yeah. it's about manipulating the, the game state in a way. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it's absolutely fascinating. I, I, I agree with you. But um we're we, we we're butting up on on the end of our time. That means we run over by a couple of minutes. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, I do have one small thing that I want to plug. Small thing. Uh, I'm giving a talk called "Don't Panic: How to Save Your Game from a Buggy Launch" at the Kiev Games Gathering. Uh, it is 5 p.m. Kiev time, which is 9 a.m. Pacific. Who knew? Uh, on Friday. Uh, I don't actually have like a link or anything yet, but um, I will include. Uh, I don't know. Look, look at look at my Twitter or something. I guess I'll probably tweet the link out. Uh, <laughs> so that's the big thing that I want to plug. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? Awesome. Um, I don't think I do, but uh, I do, I do want to ask: is is the don't panic a trigger's guide reference, or is that just like a, a thing you've said? It's I, to be honest. I I've been formal. So this talk is about the Spinch launch. Um, right. And Spinch had a bunch of bugs on it, on like on its launch, um, and is kind of all about how we, as a company, me as a community manager, right, like we dealt with that problem, right, mm. like how I was talking to the community, what we. Were I think I submitted a couple of bugs to you, like directly. Um, yeah, you did actually. Uh, one of them was not a bug, by the way. We we eventually learned it was because you had played the demo, and the demo uses the same save file, so you had a best time from a demo level that was showing up on your fresh mm. Spinch uh, game. Anyway, that's different. But the point is, is that, so a lot of these talks, the, the, a, a lot of these talks are like how, how I made my game a huge, crazy success, right? But I wanted to do the opposite. It's like, okay, well, when things don't go as planned, when things are tough, what are the strategies that you can use to mitigate the problem, to solve things, to keep your community on your side, that kind of stuff? Uh, which I think we did very effectively with with Spinch, like even though you know it launched with a million bugs. Like, I mean, I was petrified that it was going to be like not No Man's Sky. Obviously, we, we didn't have that kind of level of uh, like Hype. prestige or whatever. But just like you know, running into a situation where everyone's leaving these super negative reviews because they're running into bugs all the time, like that would that would really suck. And so that we we kind of got to the other side without. Uh, being too damaged just like well how do how do i do that i think that's interesting for people so there there it is that's the that's the the uh the teaser i guess the trailer for the talk that i will be giving on on friday sounds awesome um all right well uh with with that then uh what was it you if you want to talk to us or email us about anything we talk about on this podcast you can email us at those play games to pot uh some podcast system dot com 
or games at gmail.com. God, we skip a week and I can't remember anything. Um, <laughs> you can watch us at twitch.tv slash games where we're live right now. Uh, if you're watching this later, come watch us live. Normally, we're Mondays at 7 p.m., but uh, this week... Um, we had we had some uh, we we had some technical we, we had some difficulties so it got pushed back a little bit more. Um, uh, what else? Uh, we got all sorts of stuff. Uh, there'll be links in the description. Feel free to talk to us anywhere. Um, and since we already did plugs, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listener.